live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. How's it going? Hey, it's going great. I was getting into that funky music before the show started. Getting my kitchen dance party started. That's right. I love kitchen dance parties. Aren't they the best? They're so fun. (laughs) And I can really dance badly and no one sees me. It's so awesome. (laughs) Because you're hiding behind your island or... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then every once in a while, it'll be like the weekend or something. And I'll realize that my husband and kids are outside. (laughs) And I'll be like, oh, crap. They can see see me. Yeah. And it's bad. Do they film you? You don't know if they're filming you. I don't know if they're filming me. They've never put it up on... uh, on on any social media site so it must be really really okay either it's not as bad as i think because you know the really really bad stuff mm-hmm. gets posted on social media and goes viral sure. so so it's not extremely good and it's not extremely bad so i guess i'm just average yeah you're probably hanging out right in the middle with all the rest of us huh could wouldn't it be awesome if we all admitted that <laughs> <laughs> the truth at least is- we're all just average. At, at least it's not the lane dance from Seinfeld, or is it? I don't know. Sometimes it is. Okay. Every once in a while, I'll go out and have a little bit too much to drink because, you know, that's really, really unusual for me. Right. And then I'll I'll see pictures or video later mm-hmm. and realize that I really should monitor my, my alcohol consumption better when I'm in public. <laughs> Do you dance when you go out? I always dance when I go out. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it's an, I've come to realize that there are certain personality types. We label people by their disorders, but I think if we would just see them as personality types, we would all understand and get along a lot better. Hmm. Like I've noticed that my friends who are excessively ADD like me, and you know who you are, (laughs) they're the ones who will dance like sitting in their chair and then they'll dance behind their chair and then they'll just look at each other and go, oh my God, this is my jam. And then they'll like run out onto the dance floor and then we'll spend the whole night dancing. (laughs) Right. Those are also my friends who procrastinate and um, overschedule and don't get things done in a timely manner or... ADD, as I like to call it. So Mm -hmm. it's crazy, right? It is. It is. Yeah. My son, I'm, oh my gosh, I wish I could get, do your, does your daughter do stuff that you wish you could get her on video because you just know that it would go viral if you posted it? Oh, how do those people do it? (laughs) My kid, my son, you know, that song by uh, Maroon 5, Sugar? Oh Yeah. 
Bright Sugar. Oh, God. I oh, love that song. Mm-hmm. My 16-year-old does the most hysterical version of that song. And now every time I hear the song, I start laughing my ass off because all I imagine is him singing it. But um, he, I can't get him on video. <laughs> And I've tried so many times. So now he knows that he do- has to do it while I'm driving. Oh, okay. Video him. Unlike the crazy woman who, who videotaped the attack on the toddler that was throwing a tantrum while she was. Ugh. Right? Ugh. Oh, my gosh. So, so you, you may have to plan to have the song play sometime at home and know when it's coming on and have your phone ready. It, it might be a production for you. You think I haven't done that, Kelly? You think <laughs> I have this he probably looks at you as soon as he hears the first note. Mom, he looks at, but as soon as the song comes on, he looks at me and he goes, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. And then he just can't help himself. It just overcomes him. Mm. And he just belts it. And the first time my husband heard it, he was like, oh, God, because that kind of stuff drives him crazy because he's a very engineering kind of guy. And, mm-hmm. um, but, and the first time he heard him do it, he tried to pick up his phone and record him. And I'm like, see, I told you. And then my husband, go, Chris, goes, why won't you let us be famous? You could so- send it in to Adam. Maybe you can get on the voice. I think, well, no, it's not that good. It's funny. It's more like, um, <laughs> it's, it's more like, uh, like the, the kid who was under the anesthesia. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was more like that kind of goofy thing. Like if I would post it, it would just be funny, funny, funny. <laughs> ah, so anyway. So, so we'll, we'll keep waiting for that. See if you if you succeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of silliness on the internet. There's a lot of crazy. Oh, did you hear? I don't know if you heard this. I was um, going through. I'm addicted to social media. We love you, Tara. That's what you should say. We love you, Tara. Thank you. (laughs) It's why my house looks the way it does. It's insane, and my family knows it. But here's the thing. So I just read this whole thing on social media. Oh, my gosh. I know what it is. So if you guys are hearing bings, (laughs) it's. It, it, it's my Facebook being updated while I while I'm on the air, and I love you, Parent Nation. Keep writing. Every time you hear a Bing, that's another Parent Nation member trying to tell me what an idiot I am. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, uh, you guys have so much to say today, and we'll get to it. I promise. But there was this thing on social media recently, on Facebook recently, that they targeted. They did a targeted campaign that they picked. They picked certain people to receive positive messaging in their feed, and they picked a group of people to receive negative messaging in their feed, and they wanted to see if it directed people's attitudes and behaviors. Now, here's the thing. I know that sounds like it would be a very romantic thing to do and probably possible. I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg has the, has the interest to do that. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think he really gives a shit about that kind of stuff. But it did get me thinking, what if we stopped all the negative messaging? What if everything that was put out had to have a positive spin on it? Hmm. What a thought. What a thought. And, you know, here's why. So 
this uh, I'm seeing all kinds of um, negative parenting stuff because that's what I subscribe to. That's what all my hashtags are. So I get I get a lot of the negative stuff because that's that's what people click on. It's they call it clickbait, right? Yeah. So so here's the thing, Parent Nation. If you read just the headline of an article and don't really read the article, and then you comment, you look like an idiot. Right. I just want you to know that because nine times out of 10, the, the title or the headline has absolutely nothing to do with the actual content of the article itself or the story itself. So stop doing that because you're really just making it worse for the rest of us. But anyway, um, a lot of uh, teachers and authority figures in the news recently for cussing out or scolding kids in school-related settings and getting recorded by other students, mm-hmm. right? I had the one, you know, we talked about the ones a while ago. Well, this week, because, you know, every day there's new ones. Right. So so this week, it's a teacher who um, was talking back, scolding, and, and basically humiliating, calling out a fifth-grade student. And she got fired because a little girl recorded it on her iPhone. Mm-hmm. The little girl got suspended for five days yeah, her. For, for recording the thing. Here's the thing. Two things. What's, what's something that we all know from Watergate? <laughs> it's illegal to just record people without telling them. Right. And the mom's like, she didn't know. She's only 11 years old. She knew enough to record the teacher to get her fired. Don't play mm. that. Don't play that. You're full of shit. She knew what she was doing, which is why she did it. You're she, has, she has to yell out, I'm recording you. Click. Right. Right. I'm going to record this. <laughs> right. So she recorded it. People are like, oh, there's no privacy in, in a classroom. That's 25 people. That's considered the public. You're missing the fundamental point. There is an electronics use rule in the school. You're not allowed to have your electronics out and use them in the school. So should she have been suspended for five days? No. I think suspension is just stupid. It's, it's counterproductive. You don't take children out of the learning environment to teach them a lesson. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Should she have gotten detention maybe? And, you know, I don't know, had to write 25 things that she <clears throat> likes and appreciates about the other students in her class. I don't know. Something. Sit in the principal's classroom and do in the principal's office and do all her work in there. Right. Or, you know, something to discipline her for, um, well, A, not getting the whole story. I mean, come on. If you're going to be a little research correspondent, you better get the whole story, <laughs> you know, and and for using your cell phone during class to record a teacher and basically blackmail and, and sabotage the teacher. That's that's what the little girl did. And that's what the parents are doing, because now they're trying to sue. So you could say that that was blackmail anyway. If you listen to the recording instead of just clickbait, you know, response, you will hear the little boy taunting the teacher, Mm -hmm. taunting the teacher. So we're we live in a world where kids can be absolutely disgustingly disrespectful to people in authority. And as soon as the person in authority snaps back, we want to fire them. Right. We want to teach them a lesson. Here's the thing. I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, Kelly, but this is what I believe. I believe that when you fire an adult for scolding or lashing back at a child in the same tone that the child directed at them to begin with, Mm -hmm. when you fire that adult, 
or dismiss that adult from their job, those kids learn that their their behavior is okay and even has power. Right. I do agree with you on that. So you've just, and now the other one that was just posted today was a bus driver and she had a bunch of teenagers on that bus and they were cocky teenagers. Mm. What she did was she pulled the bus out. Apparently they were fighting on the bus, physically fighting on her bus while she's trying to drive. So, you know, they probably weren't fighting quietly. No. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So she pulls the bus over. She takes all the kids off the bus and she rips them a new one. She says, take care of what you got to take care of right now. And someone, again, is videoing her on their cell phone. So then she flips out on him. She's like, I'm not going to take this. It's ridiculous. You know, I have a job to do. You, you're acting like fools. And she was cussing at him. She was cussing at him. But um, come on, really? Who doesn't? <laughs> so anyway, if you got teenagers that are fighting on the bus, chances are they come from an atmosphere where people are cussing around them. Sure. That's the, that's the absolute truth. And if you say that I'm wrong, then take a look around you because I'm not wrong. So she gets them, she says, she counts down from five, five, four, three, two, one, get your ass back on the bus. If you're, if you're not on this bus, when I get on this bus, you stay here and find another ride home. That woman was dismissed from her job. Hmm. So now those teenagers, and they were older teenagers, those teenagers just learned that you can cuss, you can fight, you can act a fool on a bus. And the person who yells at you is going to be the one who gets in trouble. Right. They can just be planning it out. Let's get the bus driver fired today. Let's see if we can do it. She's such a bitch. Let's get her fired. You don't think they're thinking that? Yeah. Because they know they can do it. Mm -hmm. So now you've got a teacher. We had that. Mr. D was my teacher like that. If any YO grads that are listening, you know what I'm talking about. Mr. D would take a football player out in the hallway and jack him up against the locker if he was disrespectful (laughs) to him in his classroom. Right. And then it never happened again. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't hit him. He didn't scream at him. He didn't swear. Well, he did yell at him, but he handled it. And then it was done. And you know what? Everybody in that classroom knew you don't mess with Mr. D. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't understand this. But, you know, everybody's raising perfect little snowflakes who are going to be damaged if you even raise your voice to him. And I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. And I'm so sick of this whole can't let your kids go outside mentality. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yes. Ugh, I can't take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it, it, here's the thing. I, I saw some, some bad choices. Okay. So this, uh, this mom was at the library with her three kids, alone with her three kids. She, the kids are acting crazy. Everybody's giving her the stink eye because it's a library. She probably got judged in 40,000 different ways. Mm-hmm. Takes her kids out to the car, locks them in the car, gives her oldest son a cell phone and says, you have a cell phone if you have an emergency, right? Here you go. The kid calls the cops <sighs> and says, my mom's being mean to me. Our mom oh. is being mean to us. So the cops show up. Literally, she was in the library for five, not even five minutes, filling out paperwork, finishing fi- filling out paperwork. And in that amount of time, the cops showed up, took the kids away from her, arrested her, all this other stuff. And the comments online were, I don't even let my 14-year-old alone. Okay, people. You know, throw her in jail. Really? 
because mm-hmm. that's the worst thing that can happen to a kid. You know, if right. she's, it, th- so you're going to judge her if she's not spanking her kids in the library to calm them down, which you don't know her situation. Maybe that's not an option for her. And let's face it, in some families, it's not an option. So you've got, I've, I read no less than seven stories in the last five days of parents who killed or beat or tortured their kids in the name of discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So those people, two of those people are out on bail, $25,000 bail for killing your kid. There you go. That makes sense. Uh, but this mom who puts her three kids in the car with a cell phone and says, I'll be out in, a, in three minutes. You sit here and, you know, whatever. She's the one who's supposed to go to jail. That's ridiculous. We're so messed up. We're so messed up. And the thing is, it's, it's because we don't support each other. If there had been a parent in that library that had walked up to her and said, do you need some help? Do you want me to read these kids a story while you fill out your paperwork? How do you think that would have changed that entire scenario? Wow. You're in a library. It's not that far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't people think of things like you do? I think because we, we suffer from... Have you ever heard of schadenfreude? Bless you. No. <laughs> it's, the, it's the pleasure that's derived from seeing other people suffer. Okay, well, then that's what it is. Cause it's yeah, yeah. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. I, I, I'm going to coin the term, coin the phrase, mom and Freude. <laughs> I think that we have gotten to a point in our society where we actually get pleasure from other people's failure as parents. It's and sick. isn't that sad? It's sad, and we've got to do something about it. So, and that's kind of why we have this show, because we're going to do something about it. So, you know, what the heck? We, we need to start thinking more and, and, uh, and reacting in a more positive way, like the mom who, you know, wrote the Facebook message about the parent who was um, inconvenienced by her daughters in the movie theater. That was good parenting right there. You know, that was good stuff. But we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, I'm excited because we're going to be talking to um, Dr. Joe Alton and uh, and Amy Alton. And they have this awesome survival medicine handbook that they're going to talk to us about that my kid confiscated when we come back from these messages. Cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues. 
automotive and motorsports features and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Parent Nation. I am really psyched, psyched for our first guest today because... Um, my son, my oldest son, well, actually both of my kids are real outdoorsy type kids. They, um, you know, we are not fear mongers. <laughs> we're, we're kind of in the minority in parenting in that way. And um, so our kids do a lot of things um, in the woods and, you know, whitewater rafting and, and rock climbing and all of that stuff. And my my eldest son is super interested in... How do I take care of myself? What do I do if an emergency happens? Like he's so into that guy on TV who, you know, that survivalist guy. He's really into that whole thing. Um, another thing that we deal with a lot where I live is uh, flooding and that sort of thing. And we've dealt with a lot of floods in our house. So it's really important to me that my kids are not in a state of panic, but in a state of preparedness when it comes to emergency situations, which is something that we really don't think a lot about today because we take for granted that Dr. Google is always going to be there or, you know, that a vehicle is always going to be able to get us to a doctor or an ambulance is always going to be able to reach us or whatever. Um, so I'm really thankful to have Dr. Joe Alton and Amy Alton on the show today. They're the authors of the Survival Medicine Handbook, a guide for when medical help is not on the way. So welcome, guys. How are you? Oh, we're great. Thank you so much for inviting us, Tara. Absolutely. <laughs> so we, there was just a, a huge explosion recently in New York, um, and it was a gas explosion, and 22 people were injured, and it was a lot of chaos and, and all of that. So we, we think to ourselves, what would we do in that situation? Because I think we're so focused on being perfectionists that we don't worry about being prepared for things like that. You know? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is one of the many things that can happen. Uh, there are so many different disasters that you might face in the uncertain future. I mean, there are, of course, natural disasters This will, or, or man-made disasters. It could be equipment malfunctions that cause or probably cause uh, this explosion and fire that it, uh, that leveled those three buildings there. Right. You just never know. That's the thing. 
Absolutely. And so some of the things that you have to do, of course, let's say you're in a building, you find that the building is on fire, you're at home, the building's on fire. Of course, if you're in a building, hit the fire alarm if there is one. If you're in your own home, loudly yell fire that, you know, let everybody know that there is a fire, there's an emergency. You should have identified a couple of exits, conducted fire drills with your family, and do that regularly so that they know what to do, that it's just a matter of almost muscle memory. You've got to get out fast as soon as it's clear. You can't put out the fire easily with your fire extinguisher, which means that you should have a fire extinguisher or two, especially in susceptible areas. Don't wait to grab those personal items. You might only have a few seconds to get out there. Get down low, crawl to an exit. Uh, remember that hot air and smoke rises, and so it's very, very important to stay as low as possible. That's where it's going to be least hot and there will be the least number of Fumes. Cover your nose with a mouth and a cloth if you can. Uh, Ready.gov actually says to touch doorknobs to test them before opening because if they're very hot, you should not open the door. There's a, an, an explosive fire effect called a backdraft that, that could be very, very dangerous. But actually, I've spoken to fire chiefs, and you might actually burn yourself less if you touch the door itself instead of, instead of the doorknob, despite what Ready.gov says. So uh, that I thought yeah. was interesting. Yeah, if, if the door isn't hot, you could open it slowly, close it rapidly if fire or heavy smoke's available. Of course, call 911 as soon as, but as soon as you exit the house. I mean, get out of there fast. Of course, if yeah. you're trapped, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the, the one thing that I remember is, I remember that they used to have these alarms that were a parent's voice because they said that kids are so numb to, um, loud sounds because of all of the the um constant input into their ears because they don't just hear things you know ambiently they it's they have earbuds or they have headphones constantly right now these days and it's a sound being directed right into their ears and they said that it should actually be a parent's voice because that's what they're more used to hearing have you ever heard of anything like that yeah, I have. You know, kids have this filter, and uh, they really tune out a lot, especially these days, since there's so much sensory overload that they get anyhow from all the electronics and things like that. But they know their parents' voice. And right. if, if they hear their parents' voice, and believe me, if they hear their parents' voice and it's agitated, they will pay, att- they yeah. will, they'll pay attention. <laughs> and so this is something that I think is, is a great point that you bring out there. So you shouldn't record your voice being like, okay, guys, there's a fire. You'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you are so grounded. Right. right. That, yeah. that voice that, as a parent, you know that your child perks up to and actually uh, leaves their room and walks to where you are when you call them, that's the tone <laughs> and the type of voice that you need to use when recording. The, you know, the fire, get out. You know? Absolutely. That'll so, get their attention. So, I mean, honestly, the one of the one of the big things that I've realized is that a lot of parents are so focused on other people being able to help them. Like there's emergency services, there's ambulances, there's fire trucks, you know, there's all of these services are within two minutes of us at any given time. What is the I mean, is it really necessary to prepare to over prepare for these things i mean doesn't that kind of sort of put you in the category of doomsday prepping 
Well, I think that uh, there are degrees, yes. <laughs> and I think doomsday prepper is one degree, and I think that being medically prepared for disasters that, that can occur, I think is is another altogether. You know that uh, we've actually experienced uh, in our recent past disasters like Hurricane Katrina, in which sometimes the the wonderful people of firefighters and nurses and doctors and EMTs, ambulances, uh, just cannot reach you. I mean, during Hurricane Katrina, the flooding there actually made it impossible for some areas to be reached. And there are some people that may not have survived as a result of the inability to have access to care. And being able to handle some injuries, to be able to handle certain types of illness, even if you don't do that for a living, but having the knowledge and having some supplies, I think will give you a head start, you and your family a head start of getting through that disaster safely. And you know, we put all that knowledge in our in our book, our website, our videos, and all it's all in plain English that anyone can understand. It's so funny because as soon as I opened the book, my 16 year old was standing there, and he's like Mr. Wilderness Club. You know, he's he's the kid who's always out, like, trying to get lost, so he has to find his way back. <laughs> he's so funny. And he saw it, and he said, Mom, can I take this? And I was like, well, yeah, as long as you report back to me with the information. And he, kept, <laughs> he just kept coming back to me with stuff. And it was really great to see him. He was – now you have to remember that this is the kid who's going to Europe for three weeks – you know, when we have when we have parents who won't even let their kids play in the front yard by themselves, here I am sending my 16-year-old to Europe for three weeks in the summer. Um, so it was really – it really put my mind at ease to know that he had the knowledge in that book that if something should happen, he has that top-of-mind awareness to know how to take care of it. It's, well, I think that – I definitely think that we give our – our younger generation, a short shrift in terms of, you know, their willingness to, to learn, uh, you know, basic medical or survival techniques. I mean, they want to get out there. They're going to be doing these adventurous things more than some of the old folks. And so, I mean, I think it's great that so many of them are, are learning these things. Some learn it through Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and some, and some just do it on their own. It's awesome that your son is doing that. I think that we are really not – I think we're really doing our kids a disservice these days because I don't think that there are enough kids like my son out there, to be honest with you. I think that – I mean, if you look at the numbers in Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, they're, they're declining every single year, like rapidly declining. We have a um, – our, our borough has a playground program, a tot lot program that we do in the summer – in 2013, we had over 100 kids signed up for the program. Last year, we had 30. Yeah. And it's simply because parents aren't letting their kids go outside. Parents are scared to death to let their kids be out of their sight. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that parents don't know how to handle these situations, so they don't know how to teach their kids to handle these situations. So do you, are, you go, go ahead. ahead? No, no, go ahead. Do you have information on your website about this stuff that it's that people can um, like learn tips and and tools to oh make boy. them feel more confident? Really, we have over six fifty articles on just about any medical 
survival medicine topic that you can possibly imagine. And also or, yes. surviving disasters. Right. I mean, we have separate ones on floods and wildfires and tornadoes, floods. Hurricanes. Exactly. Right. So sure, absolutely. Lots of general preparedness uh, plus the medical side of it. Yeah, we try to stay topical. So, for example, we would write about wildfires mm-hmm. uh, over the summer when there were all those wildfires in California. And we, we talk about how to prevent, protect your kids from the flu when flu season arrives, the heat stroke in the summer, or hypothermia in the winter. Right. You know, you'll find a lot of topical information there. But I, I do want to address one thing, Tara, and then I, I think you and I are on the exact same page about our children not really being prepared. But the problem is we, as parents, were not taught um, just normal, everyday survival skills. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to start a fire. If I was dropped, I mean, I know, but most people don't know, if most people were dropped into the woods, they wouldn't know how to start a fire. They wouldn't know how to look for wood or for water. They wouldn't know how to build a shelter. And because we were not given that information, we can't pass it on to our children, and the school system is not teaching them. How much fun would it be to take first graders out and show them actually how to make a fire? And, of course, all the parents would freak out. <laughs> oh, my kid's going to burn the house down. But you know what? You also teach them fire safety while you're teaching them how to start the fire. Right. You use a fire. Make sure that they teach <laughs> them that it fires the tool exactly. and it's not a toy. And it's right. Exactly. And then it takes the mystery out of it. And they've learned something useful. Teach them how, if they got lost, how to look up at the sky and figure out where they are. There's just so many skills that we can incorporate into our school system rather than someone like you or um, my brother-in-law who has two boys who are very active in Boy Scouts. In fact, one of them just became an eagle. Eagle Scout. Wow. Yeah, very proud. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's a shame that we have to put our children in those kind of programs, and it's not just incorporated into our school system. It's such a shame. And and when we have all of the studies today that are showing that spending time outdoors in nature actually reduces stress and tension and increases um, brain function and focus... Mm -hmm. I mean, these studies are out. These studies are just as important as the study whether or not your, you know, big butts make smarter kids. <laughs> but we're taking those studies so seriously, and we're not taking seriously the fact that our kids need to get out. They need to get into nature, and they need to learn how to, how to survive and thrive. You know, I, and, right? And I just want to say that, in especially during the winter, during flu season and things like that, the kids that get sick the most are the kids that stay inside. They've been too protected. It's not just it's not the cold weather, it's the close quarters. Oh my gosh, yeah. I tell my kids the reason you don't get sick is because you eat so much dirt throughout the year that your body's just <laughs> built up this amazing immune system. And and part of it is in jest, but part of it's very true. I think that they're exposed no, to so right. many things. You know? Yeah. Your body Absolutely. gets stronger. Sarah, you are a hundred percent right. And there are studies proving that children are, who are exposed, more exposed. In fact, you know, there there's some controversial studies that have shown that kids that actually grow up in a slightly dirtier home that's not so sterilized and bleached have less problems later in life with allergies, with asthma, with um, immune disorder mm-hmm. problems. I mean, 
autoimmune disorders. This is something that we've, we've overcleaned our houses and we've overcleaned our children. And I'm not talking about leaving your kids filthy, but get, let them go outside and get a little dirty. Don't Absolutely. run out there and, and put hand sanitizer on their hands five seconds after they're playing. Let them <laughs> play. It's exactly. good. You know, it's so funny because one of the things that my husband and my sons have been doing over the last two years is building this enormous tree house. And mm-hmm. it started because my kids like to be out in the woods and I have a, a toy distributorship. So I would bring home broken pallets to, to burn in our fire pit. And my kids started like <laughs> nailing them together and making these little structures out of them. And now they literally have a, it's a thousand square foot treehouse that they've built, but they've learned so much about construction and, all, you know, and how do you take care of a cut? And yep. how do you, you know, what do you yep. do if you, right? If somebody falls off of a platform from 10 feet in, but, and I know that it sounds ridiculous, but I have so much more confidence in my son's ability to go out on his own and thrive in the world because he built a stinking tree house. Yep. <laughs> well, this is the kind of kid that can probably hold his own in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you for that. That's awesome. I can't believe that we're already out of time. You guys have so much information to share, and I want to make sure that everybody goes to your website, which is doomandbloom.net, and take a look at the Survival Medicine Handbook. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Judy Davis, who is the Direction Diva, and she's going to be talking to us about dealing with depression and teen suicide when we come back from this break. Or pop-up window. Or close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, f- it. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy-Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rowlands Presents Beautiful Business Radio. 
where you matter and your business thrives. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Parent Nation. Um, my next guest is Judy Davis, and she is known as the Direction Diva. She is um, the author of a, a, a book called Warning Signs is Your Teen at Risk. And what she does is she helps families, particularly um, she's, a, she's an expert on military life and teen suicide prevention, and she helps families get through these horrible trying times of addiction and depression and even teen suicide. And we're hearing so, so much about that in the news lately. And in my opinion, it's really becoming an epidemic. And so I, you know, as much information as I can possibly bring to Parent Nation on this topic, I want to do it. So I'm really glad to have Judy here with us. Hey, Judy, how are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me, Tara. I am excited to be here and humbled to be able to talk about such an important topic. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And your your knowledge is just truly what we need more of in the world today. I know that, you know, we can we can read stories on on social media and see things in the news and we can send our sympathies and our condolences and ask the question, what the hell is going wrong today? But we really need more information, you know, and that's that's really what has to happen. So, um, you know, I think a lot of what we're seeing in the news has to do with children who are or teens who are conflicted with their sexuality and who they are in the world and their level of acceptance in the world. But there's just as many teens who are dealing with addiction. I mean, I know that heroin addiction is becoming an absolute epidemic in our country. So, and, and it's cheap and it's readily available and it's something that if nothing else, it really makes people feel good. So it's really hard to get off of it. So, you know, how do we, how do we handle these things? How do we handle when it's between doing what's right and doing what feels good? You know, how do we steer our kids in the right direction in those cases? Well, you know, I think we're opening up a can of worms here because there's so many different ways we can go with that. And, you know, just to speak on the heroin um, epidemic that is growing, you know, heroin is a step-up drug, or not the step-up, it's like the next thing after prescription drug um, addiction. Mm-hmm. And it is the, you know, the next intensity level. Many of our teens' prescription drugs are a serious problem. And that is, I believe, is part of what's leading to the epidemic that we're talking about. Our kids are in crisis in general. You know, we're out there, we're in the trenches, we're talking to families. And I'm seeing a generation of people that are so stressed out, they are more connected than ever, but they are lonelier. Mm -hmm. And they are disconnected from their feelings. They don't know how to handle everyday challenges anymore. 
you know, it's like their lives are an open public display. Everything they do, everything they experience, every situation that they're in, in a moment, because of social media, because of our dependence on technology, everything they do is under this microscope to be analyzed and looked at so finely, and they just don't feel like they fit in. And they are searching for ways just to feel something. And it can, there's a lot of different addictions, if you will, or different coping strategies that are unhealthy. And we as a society need to start helping our kids learn better coping skills so that they can deal with a world that they may not have the experience with. And we, as their parents, don't understand what they're going through. We all need to educate ourselves better into understanding the early warning signs and then providing coping strategies that actually work. It's so, the things that you're saying are obviously very, very true for what we're dealing with today. And one of the things that is really sticking out for me, and I don't know if it's something that you deal with or not, but a lot of the medications that we find commonly prescribed for particularly boys today is, uh, are the ADD medications, the, you know, the, the Ritalins and the Concertas and, and those mm-hmm. kind of, I don't think. I don't think that enough parents investigate what those drugs do to make them work Mm -hmm. to the level that they should. A lot of those drugs, and, and there are kids who need them you know, to function and focus. And I get that. And I'm not downplaying that at all. Mm. What I'm saying is a lot of those drugs are designed to block certain emotions, to block certain feelings, to block certain Mm. responses. And when we start blocking those natural emotions and feelings and responses, we wind up with children who are dependent on them because when they do start to feel things, they can't handle it. I, I think you, you know, you're hitting on something really key here because it's one of those things that which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it that we have created a situation for our children that is so um, rigid that there is no room for individuality and you know, being a little bit different, that there is one particular way that you should behave, you should act, you should function. And if you're outside of those parameters, then there's something wrong. I think that's like where we first go wrong as just a whole society. (laughs) And just instantly throwing medication into the mix, it, it doesn't give our kids a fighting chance to embrace their individuality and to um, learn how their gifts can really make a difference in our world. I, Mm. I think that there's so much more there. And I think it's that disconnect that we have with what our kids need, and we just um, go in and looking at things and going, the warning signs are there, but we're choosing just to dismiss them as they can't function in the school district or they can't do, um, you know, they're being lazy. You know, I remember multiple teachers saying about my son, he's lazy. My son has ADD. My son, you know, struggled with reading and writing and things like that. And he was labeled as lazy. That wasn't the case. He processed differently, Mm -hmm. and therefore he always felt different. 
And I think that's where a lot of the depression comes in when they get to the teenage years. You know, it's an awkward time anyway. Being a teenager <laughs> and your freshman, sophomore year in college is, is a challenging time in our lives anyway. We all feel awkward. We all feel like we, you know, don't fit in. But we'll take that and add to it a processing difference or non-ability to conform to sitting in a desk for eight hours a day, and then you really distance yourself. And then our kids are just looking for any way to fit in and often turn to at-risk or high-risk behaviors, which That's is, you know, the catalyst, chicken before the egg. <laughs> it's, yeah, and your son, I mean, these are, these are very real issues that you went through with your own son. I mean, the depression mm-hmm. and actually, you know, suicide attempts. And so you really, you've lived through this and you've experienced this, so you really, really know what, you ta- what you're talking about here. Uh, what was mm-hmm. it that... I mean, what was it that made you take your own personal experience beyond that and say, I need to take this out into the world? You know, it's, I think the fact that no one ever believes it can happen to them. You know, what I've come to learn is that depression, suicide, and addiction, and a lot of the things we've been talking about, it's not selective. It affects every socioeconomic group, every race, every, you know, small town to inner city to the suburbs. This is a problem that is across our nation. And one of the reasons that we um, decided to share our story is because there's such a stigma behind anything that is mental and behavioral health issue related or learning disabilities. It's parents feel judged. Teens and young adults feel like they don't, they can't measure up. And, you know, when you meet my son, he was now 21, he looks like he has his everything together. We don't <laughs> look like the stereotypical family that would have a child that chose to um, self-medicate his depression and his suicide ideation and things like that with drugs and alcohol. It's just not something that you look at as, you know, just typical. So, you know, it's one of those things that we wanted to help people find hope and see that reaching out for help is a good thing. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's just no different. You know, if someone has cancer, the troops rally. Your networks Mm -hmm. converge and give you support. It's not that way. When you have a child dealing with a mental and behavioral health issue, people don't know what to say. They back off. They judge your parenting ability and because they don't understand. So our mission, if you will, is to really reveal the unspoken truths that are going on in families all across the nation. And I'm shocked to, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but I am surprised at how much our story is everywhere. We're not unique. We're just one of the families that have decided to um, share our story because, one, you know, we want to bring hope that everybody in the family can heal and you can move forward. And my son is moving forward, and, you know, this is one of the ways he's choosing to make his experience worthwhile is to help other teens realize that, 
they're not alone in how they feel and asking for help can save a life. And that's the biggest thing is if we save one person's life by our story or help one family living through crisis, I'm good. <laughs> that And so he's part of, he's part of your mission. Yes. But- he, him, he and I actually co-founded living through crisis together. It was, wow. um, and one afternoon, he's like, Mom, I just want to tell my story and help people. And we, I have been a speaker and things like that for the military community for years. And we just decided that it was time to start sharing the story. So we mm-hmm. have, are in the process of creating resources to help families and have a, a big plan for um, how we're going to reach out and make a difference to families dealing with this stuff. Isn't it amazing to you? Because you you do have the experience with military families and you've had this experience with your young son. Isn't Mm -hmm. it amazing to you, it is to me, how we can embrace military personnel, stressed out moms, um, overworked stockbrokers. We can embrace them suffering from depression and anxiety and all of these things. But as soon as somebody says it about a kid, the first response is, oh, get over it. What do you have to worry about? What's Absolutely. Worst? Absolutely. And and I think for years, I, th- I don't think that that's something that, um, you know, happens out of ignorance. I think it's, you know, for years, parents did understand what their kids were going through. And sometimes a little bit of that um, tough love, if you will, was effective. But times have changed. What our kids are dealing with, we often have no idea <laughs> we don't, because our life doesn't lit, you know, we didn't grow up with everything we do flashed all over in a matter of seconds. We knew how to communicate with our friends. Our kids are so lonely, even though they're so connected. They don't know how to talk to each other. And they're fearful to talk to each other because heaven forbid you say or do something wrong or odd someone's going to plaster it all over social media and make Mm -hmm. a fool out of you and bully you incessantly and, you know, and, and air your dirty laundry for you. Absolutely. And, and as parents, what we saw as, you know, typical teen, you know, goofiness or, you know, somebody talked about someone at a, you know, get together over the weekend or something. It's so different now in one second a child's reputation can be ruined mm-hmm. and they can lose all of their friends and everything. Yeah. And that's something that as parents, we have to educate ourselves about, you know, we have to understand when they're worried about somebody talking about them, it is so much more than when there was gossip about us when we were freshmen in high school. Right. And they were passing notes in class. I mean, Mm -hmm. then it was going to maybe four people and heaven forbid the teacher get the note. And now 25 people hear about it. Worst possible case scenario, 200 kids in your school. Now you're talking about millions of people knowing your business. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's where that fear piece that you bring up comes in. Our kids are living under fear, under stress that we have no comprehension of. So Mm -hmm. what we can do as parents and mentors and teachers and, you know, all of that is really empower ourselves to understand, one, 
how to know if our child is at risk or if another kid is at risk, and what we can do about it if we suspect a problem. And then we can't be afraid to reach in and say, I want to help. You know, we have such a, as a society, we have such a hands-off approach. You know, we no longer do that. It takes the village concept, and we need to get back to that place to some degree. I couldn't agree more. Help each other. Yeah, we need to help each other. This is a big problem. I agree with I you 100%. Think it's easy to, you know, for, to pretend that it doesn't exist. True story. Judy, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we are out of time, but I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with you. Your website is Living Through Crisis, and it's T H R U, livingthroughcrisis.com, and it's Judy Davis, the Direction Diva. I encourage you, Parent Nation, take a look at Judy's website and take a look at the kids in your own world and, and the kids that surround you and appreciate the fact that they just might be going through something that you just can't even understand, but they will hear you if you try to talk to them. Until next Absolutely. week, everybody, keep playing. Not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling